Jake, uh, want to introduce yourself, your work, who you are? Sure, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I love talking about movies, so uh, this is going to be a treat. Um, my name is Jacob Given. I'm a uh, graduate student um, in the PhD program in philosophy and religion. Well, okay. I need to clarify. I, I need to, I always do this. I always do this on my other <laughs> podcast too. I forget what discipline I'm in. Um, <laughs> I am, I'm a graduate student in theology and religious studies, but I do a bunch of philosophy, uh, sort of kind of on my own time, kind of in my coursework. Um, so somewhere in the, um, in the, uh, I'm somewhere on the fringe, right. Of theology and philosophy, somewhere in that weird gray space. Um, I do a lot with Kierkegaard. I do a lot with phenomenology. Um, been getting more and more into like medieval mysticism uh, and just sort of systematic theology. But my two like official areas are systematics and spirituality, um, which it's a whole nother can of worms trying to define either of mm -hmm. those, right? Um, but <clears throat> and I I do a. Uh, podcast with eric aldieri called the post-structuralist tent revival and we do a lot of like continental philosophy theology and religious studies kind of stuff um yeah and i wrote a review for the journal of um i don't want to mess this up was it religion like, film and media yeah exactly yeah the journal of religion film and media i wrote a review on mother uh a um let's say a film that i am ambivalent about <laughs> and uh but that is nonetheless like really rich and interesting for uh, it's ripe for theological discussion even if it's not um my favorite movie i'll put it that way and it's definitely worth talking and thinking about so yeah definitely so uh in case you haven't read the podcast title in your uh podcast feed this is we're just going to talk mm -hmm. about mother for <laughs> for a little bit and, <laughs> um specifically uh the theological implications or themes and symbols and whatnot in right. there. So, um, yeah, after yeah. reading your review, yeah, you do come off as a little ambivalent about it, which is like <laughs> kind of a strange reaction to that movie. It's either like people are like, this is great or I hate it. It's a piece of trash. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm ambivalent about it just because it had so much potential on the one hand and because like there are parts that are just actually really well done in the movie but i also hate allegory like i hate allegorical movies i hate allegorical stories i find them really like pedantic and kind of offensive to me like in a in a sort of aesthetic sense now i love allegorical interpretations of the bible but that's a different right that's a different <laughs> uh that's a different thing you know but i i just yeah i don't have a taste for allegory and um i find aronofsky to um what he's trying to do in the film. I don't know. It's not that it's not even that I didn't agree with it. It's just that it didn't, um, it wasn't as, um, how should I put it? Coherent as it could have been. Um, I think he said in an interview that he wrote it in like, he wrote the screenplay in like four days or something yeah, and yeah. barely, bar barely edited it. And like, I, I think that really shows. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that said, that said, that said, I want to, I want to say like, you know, there are definitely good parts about the movie. There's definitely some cool stuff. Like I've seen it like, I think like six times now because of the writing that I've done on it. And I did, 
um, some work on it in like a course. Um, so that said, I have like this almost kind of combative snarky relationship to the film, but like, it's not dismissive cause I've watched it so many times and I like, and, and I've really like engaged with it. And right before we were doing this interview, um, I was just watching some of it again to like refresh myself and reading back over some of the notes I took and, um, yeah, it's, it's messy, man. It's messy. Cause like, I want to, I want to be really affirmative or really negative one way or the other. And I just, I can't, Yeah, you can't, you don't, uh, fully embrace it as either terrible or good, which is, yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's, it's hard to make a, it's hard to make a decisive evaluation on it. Um, because under certain rubrics it is, uh, I hate it. So, right. Like the, like the, I don't like the allegory. Mm -hmm. I frankly don't like Aronofsky's interpretation of the Bible. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's interesting. It strikes me as very like Sam Harrisy, you know, very like new atheisty kind of critique. Um, and also I don't like, I don't like critiques being in films. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to feel like I'm, being preached at by a film if that makes sense at the same time like for example jennifer lawrence's performance is amazing a lot of the cinematography is stunning right uh michelle pfeiffer is awesome mm-hmm. right even javier bardem like gives a really good performance right yeah. it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like given the framework of this script i think it was the best possible film that it could have been right you know? um yeah yeah definitely it's uh I don't know yeah, that that uh, that story about him only writing the screenplay in a few days. Like that just seems like such yeah. auteurist bullshit. Like oh, I had to keep it pure, <laughs> you know. Like you know, I wanted to yeah. like to maintain this like nightmare logic or whatever. And I, I think yeah, the, that's what he said. Yeah, the nightmare yeah, logic. I, I, yeah. Right, and it was yeah interesting. You compared it to like um, David Lynch and like how it you know falls short of like the alienating effect of a of a Lynch script just because it's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because here's the thing. When you're watching David Lynch, you will never feel like there is some, like, prepackaged lesson or that there's some political or religious stance that you're supposed to come away with or that you're supposed to feel challenged by, Mm -hmm. right? You actually, when you're in a Lynch film, you actually feel like you're being immersed into this sort of reality with an alternate set of physics and rules and, and, and there is this sort of like strange logic in a, in a Lynch film, right? Mm-hmm. The reason that Aaron, Aronofsky, I think, was aiming for that feeling but didn't quite get it is because there was this very, um, like, loaded ideological, like, backbone to it, if that makes sense. That really, in my opinion, like, constrains how surreal mm-hmm. a film can actually be, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I get what you mean. Like if so in his interviews, he's like, oh, it's about environmental collapse. And it's like it seems like there's this uh, there's this polemic he wants to do, but he wants to like sort of half acidly obfuscate it through with this allegory even. Uh, and it's just like uh, the scene that comes out is like um, after the uh, well, spoiler warning, if you haven't seen Mother, I guess. uh no. But the scene after they cannibalize the baby where she like lashes out with the glass, mm. it's like, all yeah. right, just go, yeah. just go into like, uh, like revenge mode. Just go into this, like, uh, yeah. you know, polemic, get, get pissed off instead mm-hmm. of, uh, right. 
winding up on this like dour like eternal return <laughs> note with the yeah. whole uh, yeah thing yeah. beginning again um right but yeah I, so i guess we should get into the like uh central like theological metaphor which mm-hmm. is this household as creation and jennifer lawrence's mother being um mm-hmm. like either the uh, feminine characteristics of god or mother mm-hmm. earth as opposed to javier bardem's him character mm-hmm. the the poet yeah so i saw um so there's a couple ways to read uh jennifer lawrence i think in this film and that's one of the things i want to i want to be as affirmative as i can at every mm-hmm. point just yeah. to sort of balance out my how i kind of came out swinging <laughs> here a little bit um <clears throat> so you can read uh lawrence as um woman right as the sort of historical feminine in the um like in in sort of the history of of humanity right the ways that women have been sort of marginalized and have been made to write like there's a scene right where she's doing the dishes and and cooking and whatever and you hear the men talking in the other room that's also another great strength of this movie is you're always following jennifer lawrence you're never in a room outside of her so you see everything from her perspective whether it's right up on her face or right over her shoulder or right behind or in front of her right um so she can be understood as as sort of woman or femininity in some way that is like uh um ideologically kind of marginalized in the history of humanity basically um she can be understood right as nature creation um sort of the the earthy principle that is sort of life-giving and sustaining and trying to sort of um uh, uh be generative um so that would be like nature without civilization or nature without sort of like human um intervention mm-hmm. right um and right and you can see her like along that same vein as like the earth is like the actual earth itself right which that's the more like environmental read uh if that makes sense so it seems like there's a there's a cross like current of identities that jennifer lawrence represents so right especially femininity in the environment um and one of the suggestive things about the film that i think is interesting is that simultaneously when femininity is oppressed or suppressed the environment also is oppressed or suppressed and so there's like this masculinist logic that at the same time um decenters woman and the environment in one gesture i think that's pretty cool i think that's an interesting sort of upshot i guess yeah yeah definitely uh I just got reminded of like uh, some reporting that came out about uh, like how like birth defects skyrocketed skyrocketed in a uh, um, fracking town somewhere, and there was yeah, like this yeah. uh, <laughs> mm. midwife who was basically run out on a rail because she was like, "Hey, like we're," you know, and all this like you know logic of like maintaining jobs uh, or like keeping jobs in this community and focusing right. on this sort of like economic well-being rather than like the actual well-being of the town and uh right, right. yeah yeah that's a really interesting in, thing in the movie because it comes off as uh 
yeah anti-civilization um i don't know it almost suggests like uh overpopulation as a major environmental concern which is Mm. i don't know just Mm -hmm. because that's over overpopulation but also specifically disrespect right right? and some sort of trespass and Mm -hmm. not really knowing your place and presuming right that humanity is somehow elevated or more important than the rest of uh the um the uh of creation right which leads to right these ecocidal disasters and everything else so um the other issue oh sorry i don't want to pivot before we haven't explored this too far go ahead i don't know um yeah i think oh I guess, yeah, the overpopulation thing is just me wanting to, like, take Darren Aronofsky down for being, like, a bit of an elite, like, oh, like, that's that's always the simple solution to the problem. Oh, right. it's overpopulation. Right. No, it's right. the fact that you right. have these uh, uh, giant industries that are, you mm-hmm. know, sort of sectioning off massive parts of the world to the exclusion right. of, like, actual people who, right. I mean, if we want to say there is, like, uh, a natural balance to the world is, like you know the mm-hmm, earth is mm-hmm. capable of supporting a bunch of humans it's just not capable of supporting mm-hmm. um extractive right. uh enterprises yeah well yeah and that's the thing the modes of production and the modes of consumption right are the issues because the earth could sustain far more uh people if we sort of uh approached it with a different logic right um uh, it's sort of the intersection of this um, sort of masculinist need to sort of see the earth as um, uh, as resource to be sort of technologically um, handled into right product right and to see and the sort of um, uh, um, what would you say investment of like capital in ever increasing production ever increasing productivity right um, with uh whether that be uh ethical in any broad sense or not right Mm -hmm. um but yeah and and that seems you know the movie seems to i mean it's not speaking directly to that although i will say the last scene the last scene right before uh uh the birth and then toward the end um stuff is so chaotic that i actually can't understand or see everything that's happening uh, there's representations of all kinds of stuff happening and I, I you know, um, but it seems to me like you could easily read this sort of like problem of greed, problem of the instrumentalization of nature. Yep. You see Jennifer Lawrence instrumentalized through the entire um, the entire uh, uh, movie, the instrumentalization of nature and of women. Right. right. Occurs in this sort of parallel way. Um, so, right. Because there is that. Uh, yeah you know, as like tensions sort of boil over, there's that weird little pause in the action where you see like all the women in the house gathered in a cage with these men, like guarding them and apparently trying to put Jennifer Lawrence in there. Uh, I mean, and I think that just goes with like, it's supposed still supposed to be this like re narration of the Bible in microcosm, right? (laughs) Through the, exactly. um, Exactly. Like the, yeah, the birth of the child, of course, being the, the nativity um right god right. what a scene right, right there that uh that's <laughs> yeah more or less been stuck in my head for the past 24 hours like it's yeah it's rough uh, man and i and here's the thing though like i don't know i think part of me part of me thinks that 
especially the cannibalization scene is just for shock value really um and another part of me thinks that actually something really uh uh i guess artistically valid is happening there um and i do you follow i don't know if you or any of your listeners follow anthony barr on twitter but we had uh, a sort of back and forth one day where i was <laughs> i was sort of shitting on the film uh or no this was maybe on facebook um i was you know i was giving it a hard time and anthony came in and said um actually i read in that in that scene where jennifer lawrence goes crazy uh um and you know after the baby's killed and she just starts stabbing people right um anthony was and he's a he's a catholic he said i read her as mary actually and what happened in that scene actually made me um sympathize with mary more and it like was really i think a really good depiction of marion sort of tears and rage and uh and you know um yeah it was a good depiction of of how mary must have felt and this really resonated with me because and i've sort of changed my opinion a little bit of that scene because um uh, part of what I've been studying the past couple years is what's come to be known as like the affective devotional tradition in medieval spirituality, and and this starts with Anselm. I swear, I swear, I'll bring right. it back. I, <laughs> I got you. I'm here to get theological. <laughs> <But> this, start, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> this starts with Anselm. Well, it doesn't start. It starts with people like Cassian, but it's sort of exemplified in Anselm and onward, um, where they're trying to sort of they write these poems that allow you to sort of enter into these scenes in scripture and they often center around the crucifixion. So you can actually in your prayer, stir up this feeling of pity of sorrow and also of sympathetic suffering. So you can really come to that affective um, sympathy with Christ and also with Mary. That's another thing like being sort of, um, as Mary is pierced by Christ's, so Christ is literally pierced. Mary is sort of um, emotionally pierced, and we are sort of imitating Mary, mm-hmm. right? In this way of trying to be sort of sympathetically pierced as Christ is pierced. Um, and it struck me that this scene, as Anthony had uh, sort of framed it, um, could be a really powerful piece of affective devotion, actually. Okay. Um, it's it's grotesque. It's kind of blasphemous, and it's also really, um, uh, I think, <laughs> not beautiful. Right. But I also see how, like, within this context, like J Law gave like a really, really good performance, especially yeah. in that scene. I think she actually ruptured her diaphragm uh, oh, acting wow. in that scene. I, I believe um, it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It reminded me, have you seen Hereditary at all? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So like, yeah. Uh, I don't, it's, it's very of a piece with uh, Tony Collette after uh, the daughter dies in that movie. Like, I right. Mean, it's right. Right. A very sympathetic, like just heart wrenching depiction of a mother's grief. Um, so those yeah, are like, hundred percent. Yeah. There's, there's 100%. some power in that, uh, in that scene, but it could otherwise be written off mm-hmm. as just like grindhouse Boonwell or something. 
Um. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and this is one of my, this is one of the issues I brought up in my review. Like, I think that's one of the problems with the movie is that the aesthetic is very confused to me, you know. And I'm not saying like, I don't know. I felt like it was sort of piecemeal, mm-hmm. right? It felt like it was going back and forth between like horror, surrealism, drama. Um, but then this allegory that I just really didn't like, (laughs) um, uh, and it didn't, yeah, it didn't like cohere for me. And so that, that's part of why I thought, like, I was glad to hear Anthony's comments on that scene, um, because that sort of changed it for me a little bit, but, um, I was distracted by all the, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. It's easy. Cause 'cause my, my Uh, big issue is with the, is with the depiction of God, right. right? Or the depiction of the poet of, of. Bardem, um, he's an absolutely uh, unlikable character. Yeah, I mean, but... well, definitely intentionally so. Uh, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> right. I did want to get. Yeah, definitely get into into that. Um, it it did occur to me that like uh, maybe Bardem's character isn't God as such, but something like logocentrism. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Right. So this because he is the poet, and it's this over overzealous devotion to the word at the expense of creation. I mean, it's, uh, that's really, interesting. so I think it's, uh, I, yeah, I think, uh, like the, that central couple of, of him and mother is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I've been thinking it's more like different aspects of God and the movie is just so, so, sort of like bringing up like the whole Western. Wow. That's interesting. Western tradition yeah. is like our, response to that and so it's like the overvaluing of one to the over the other because like there right. is that uh if he is just god as this as this uh very yeah egocentric uh mm-hmm. yeah awful yeah absolutely asshole. megalomaniacal yeah yeah no that's really interesting i hadn't really considered that um which is maybe revealing some of my own just <laughs> latent prejudices or like small mindedness here. Um, yeah. I, cause, because I thought I felt like the movie was coming across so critically. Mm-hmm. I thought that surely like Bardem had to, um, uh, be representative of the sort of big guy in the sky kind of God. Um, but maybe I maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. Yeah. Maybe there is that duality of of sort of earth and sky, yeah, uh, feminine and masculine. There, I don't maybe, know. That's that's a cool thought. That's yeah, a cool I mean, thought. have you yeah. seen uh, um, his Noah film, which I think he did right before this? Mm. Yeah. So because I, I felt like that, I watched about thirty minutes of it. Yeah. <laughs> not because it not because it was bad, but because I was really right. tired. Oh, um, uh, that's fair. I want to make that um, clear because he has. Uh, it's a less. Um, yeah, it's a far less polemic movie, and it really is about human nature. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that gets paralleled in there because I think it's it's really on the 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 focus on Noah is on the the evils of man. Um, so there's. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a, and, and it has a similar like environmental concern. Uh, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. like God is largely not absent, but I think is more ambivalently regarded. Like it is definitely not seen as hostile. It really is about the actions of man yeah. as he re-narrates this story. And there's actually a, 
a scene um when you know as the as the floodwaters are coming and like humanity sort of like penned in mm-hmm. they a crowd mm-hmm. gets a hold of a goat and you see them like tear a goat limb from limb uh oh, which wow. it, yeah so that um the scene with the baby <laughs> and mother is very right, sim- like right. it's just crowds and you like you're sort of losing track oh, yeah. of this figure as it's consumed by the crowd uh so yeah i don't know i i, I just feel like uh he he is going for more of a personal or a psychological or societal critique rather than trying to like mm. um parody uh god as such um mm. but I- mm-hmm. well well you get yeah you get like the you get the sense that the real like um antagonist of the film actually is not bardem in this movie i mean he's he he doesn't have a backbone and he's not telling people like to hey stay out of the house and like you know clearly his um his his uh commitments are uh we might we might question Mm -hmm. uh but at the same time he's very passive yeah and he start and he he's really having his ego stroked by the by the mob essentially and the mob which is getting out of control and it also is very impersonal mm-hmm. right so this is also interesting like from a Kierkegaardian <laughs> standpoint right this impersonal crowd this impersonal mob is able to destroy this house without any particular person being necessarily culpable but it's like humanity as such or this sort of these re- religious zealots as such are kind of um, uh, to blame. And so is Bardem in a, in a sense, but he's not actively um, actively um, engaged in, in this, in this sort of violence. If that right. Makes yeah. Sense. He's uh, yeah. There's no malevolence there. It is, it is just a, uh, right. it's narcissism, yeah, yeah, pure narcissism. Uh, man. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> so much going on there. Uh, mm. Man, where do we go? Where do we go from here? <laughs> um, I can pull up. Some yeah, I got. Uh, I don't. Yeah, because it's an interesting thing. Like if it is a uh, re-narration of the biblical events or like, mm-hmm. you know, sort of uh, in passing. um <coughs> And, and, and sort of jumping off with if Javier Bardem is supposed to be God the Father or whatever, there is a notable absence of God's wrath in that story. There's That's interesting, um, yeah. Because, like, hmm. there's... Yeah. That's fascinating. I hadn't <laughs> thought of that. That's no. That's that's really interesting. You know, there's no um, um, there's no pro- there's no prophets, right? right. There's no. Um, yeah, there's no sort of uh, plagues, um, even though there were there was a locust and some frogs in the right, basement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but those, you know, they weren't. Yeah, the people weren't sort of. Um, the people were ultimately destroyed by the earth, right? right? Um, or or mother or nature, sort of igniting mm-hmm. that um, that gas tank at the end, yeah. right? Signaling a sort of like final judgment yeah. or something but that's really interesting i hadn't thought of that yeah so <laughs> you you know this this sort of caricature in order to caricature god this way we do have to do away with, with his wrath and in a lot of in a lot of ways that's what um 
sort of the aspiration of a lot of kind of liberal theology is to have a God without wrath mm-hmm. or have sort of um, affirmation without discipline, right? And I think um, and I, in that sense, oh, okay, I think you're changing right. my mind about this movie <laughs> a little bit. Like in that sense, this is a good depiction of a God without wrath, yeah. right? Wow, man. Jeez, so it's a, <laughs> it, it's, it's a polemic against uh, late capitalist That's liberal Christianity. <laughs> that is – no, dude. You're on to something. Oh. That, if, if, I, if I had thought about this and we had talked before I wrote this review, <laughs> things would probably be different. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I mean, and these I think these are the kinds of movies I like to talk about where it's like it is – like a person's response is going to be so – so different just Mm. because it is so provocative in a lot of ways and it and i i think the fact that it doesn't quite cohere because i think you're absolutely spot on with like the confused aesthetic and i mean that ties in with this movie like didn't do well at the box office uh Mm -mm. and was like Mm -mm. not you i mean i think it was a critical success but you know, the whole thing was like the the cinema score interviews where people were like, I hated mm-hmm. it. And people were walking out of the theaters because yeah. it was marketed as like a bog <coughs> right. standard a horror like, movie. Yeah, home invasion yeah. film. And it's like, oh, there's yeah. a lot more going on here. Uh, well, and one of the one of the thing one of the um, things that was so um, that was kind of <clears throat> excuse me. One of the common critiques that was given of the film is that this movie should not have had a wide release. Right. Right. This movie should have been released in like in a um, in a limited release at art house theaters and independent theaters, and it would have done great. And people would have like the people who would have wanted to see this would have sought it out, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but part of the outrage about this movie was that it was at every AMC theater on the block, <laughs> and like and and if you saw any of the trailers of it, I watched. I, so I didn't see trailers before I saw the film. I didn't even really know what it was about mm. before I went to go see it in theaters. Um, and I was kind of like confused a little bit cause I wasn't ready f- to be sort of given a biblical allegory, <laughs> right. you know? Um, uh, but I went back and watched some of the trailers and I said, that looks like a completely different movie, man. If I, if I had seen the trailer and gone based on that expectation, I'd be pissed. Right. You know? Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah, it's the, <laughs> And I think it was like, okay, so it's Darren Aronofsky, like, there's some name recognition there, uh, or at least, like, most people have seen Requiem for a Dream or something, Mm -hmm. and then you've got Jennifer Lawrence, America's Sweetheart, right up there on the poster. Right, right. You know, so they probably got some money based on that, but, like, yeah, it's... bizarre that a major studio decided to bankroll and distribute this film on on such a... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. well, and, and the other thing that I realized, too, is like, so initially, a lot of the reviews focused in on uh, not actually on the religious elements as much, but a lot on the sort of gender dynamics. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people were very um, upset by the sort of misogyny of the film, like so especially the scene where jennifer lawrence is being sort of like kicked on the ground and ripped apart and called horrible Mm -hmm. names um and you know a lot of people are like is this just aronofsky just sort of getting off right right? like in the script you know or on on the screen and you know i feel like that's a fair question to ask honestly with a lot of these um a lot of these uh 
a, yeah. a lot of films that sort of repeat those kind of traumatic images you gotta always ask is this really warranted or is this just like something that is somebody like wants to do right uh, i don't know like when like every time quentin tarantino says the n-word right you're like yeah okay, okay dude. <laughs> dude is that really should that be in should that really be in this script or do you just want to say it yeah you know? yeah anyways that's a digression but. right i mean yeah it's uh god yeah yeah man um <laughs> i don't know especially in like sort of uh the the post me too landscape it's uh yeah. and how fucked up and libidinal the uh mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. movie Absolutely. industry actually is um yeah fair critiques yeah. but i mean it's it's a piece of like uh justifiably like pissed off art that i think i don't know hints yeah. at at yeah at something uh i mean another point of comparison just to completely derail us now uh was sure, uh, sure. first reformed i d- oh. i haven't seen oh, that yet okay, actually okay. um but um you know if you need to do spoilers that's right. fine i mean I I feel like um, it's well game, i mean yeah i can I, I think point. it's uh like even just the setup is like it's another mm-hmm. religious film that is fundamentally about um uh, concerns for the environment and it's like uh basically mm. paul schrader uh re like modulating taxi driver into a different context so you have uh ethan hawk as a reformed yeah. pastor uh <laughs> who's basically the travis bickle stand-in in this one uh like writing a journal and um so the instigating mm-hmm. the, the uh primary incident of the movie is him uh counseling a um young environmental activist who's pressuring his wife to have an abortion because he doesn't want to raise a child in the mm. because the mm-hmm. earth is dying mm-hmm. um and so it goes mm-hmm. from there and it like the whole movie is uh Ethan Hawke like wrestling with these questions of uh what yeah. we've done to the environment and it's like but it's on this like micro scale in like upstate New York and all it, mm, it, mm. it really depicts like uh, modern Christianity like very thoughtfully and accurately while still being like just this seething um, condemnation yeah. of where we've wound wow. up. Uh, so I think it's like a, yeah. like the test I'd put it through is like I, I basically enjoy Mother because I like fucked up art house shit. Mm. Uh, sure, um, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's good, but if it's like, okay, you, uh, if we, accept the premise that movies can sort of like affect how we think and feel uh what movie Mm -hmm. i'm gonna show am i gonna show someone who like uh what's gonna like most reflect like my stance and how i feel living in the modern world i'm gonna be like go go check out first Mm -hmm. reform because it it's 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 alienating enough but it's still like coherent and this one's like a bunch of shocking imagery and i'm (laughs) i'm a little suspicious of like how useful shock is anymore so yeah uh while i respect the audacity of like the final half hour of that movie i'm like sure dude the only people who are gonna like it are people who already agree with you like it's just not gonna yeah well and to be fair like so part so it's not that i it's not that i have issues with that picture of god or or the opposite (laughs) Right. It's it's that I have issues with that sort of being taught to me in a film like I don't want I don't want to be taught. Right. right? And so I feel like I feel like with First Reformed, because if it's anything like Taxi Driver, right, 
like there are serious so I haven't seen it, but it seems like there's serious ethical and religious questions yeah. that are sort of brought to the surface, but you're taught or not even that you're taught you, you experience the sort of lived reality um, of these stances and these positions in life, like through real characters. Exactly. Yep. So you're right? just simply and asked that, to sympathize with Ethan Hawke right. and the rest of the cast. Right. It's, it's not this like, right. You know, right. it's, it's not an allegory. It's a story. Yeah, and, and that's why I just like, I despise yeah. allegory so much because it, it like, no matter how hard you try, it will always come across as an object lesson. Right. 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 And, and none of the characters now, you know, what I should say is none of the characters, at least in the way the movie was written are in, in mother uh, are like, feel like real people mm-hmm. to me. Right. None of them are even given names. Right. Right. right? Like Jennifer Lawrence's mother, the Javier Bardem is him in the credit, right? Or the poet, mm-hmm. right? Depending on who's talking. Um, none of them are named. None of them have backstories, right? They're clearly a persona for like mm-hmm. representing archetypal or somehow like um, symbolic either forces or like God, mm-hmm. right? Like, so. Or, or like the like Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like, it's so hard to sympathize with an archetype in yep. cinema, right? Very true. Yeah. Like, you know, it, and given that, I want to qualify it. Given that, I think everybody in the film did give an awesome performance. I, I, you know, I don't think anybody's acting would, uh, felt stale. Um, it felt like they did really bring these archetypes to life as much as possible. Yep. Right. And you do get to explore a lot of the really interesting interpersonal energies that, and so it is like a really interesting thought experiment yep. in that way. Right. And so I think I got to give kudos to all of the actors and actresses oh. on that point. You know, and even okay, fine. I'll say the script, like given given the parameters that Aronofsky sort of laid out, like it is interesting the way the archetypes sort of become people that interact mm-hmm. with each other, and I think a lot of the ways that it's sort of written, like yeah, I think that's cool. Um, it just doesn't feel like good cinema right. to me because it's not like it's not it's not something I can sort of right. I don't know yeah sympathize with and like immerse myself in yeah that's i mean yeah it's hard to sort of like get a foot in the door um but one thing i thought it did really well uh i don't know it created a feeling and an atmosphere and it really focuses on this sense of um overstepping of bounds and violation ultimately Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. starting Mm -hmm. with like Ed Harris's character just lighting up a cigarette yes. in the house and then it, you right. know, getting to the point right. where her child is murdered and her house is in cinders, right. you know, like, right. uh, right. and in that sense, I think it, yeah, it, uh, it accomplishes that very well, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. with you there. I think that, I think the affect, especially in the last half of the movie was really effective. I, um, in the theater, the first time I watched it, I wasn't paying super close attention to the religious, <laughs> like elements or the biblical narratives, even though you kind of, you get that sense, but I wasn't sort of picking it apart. Like I was in later viewings. 
Um, but the first, yeah, the first time I watched it in the theater on the big screen, really loud. If everything felt so claustrophobic oh, yeah. and everything felt like everything felt like it was pressing in on me, I sort of was feeling kind of short of breath and like, you know, and you really, yeah. So that's true. And also the way that the camera is always really up close on on Jennifer Lawrence, right? Like gives gives it this very tight, very invasive kind of um, kind of feel to it and. Yeah, I think, and that's what I mean by some of the really good, effective cinematography mm-hmm. in the movie. Like it was, yeah, it it was yeah. stunning in that regard. Yeah. So yeah, it's a yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't even say it's a perfect movie, but it's like it's a movie that would be nowhere near mm-hmm. as effective mm-hmm. as it was if it wasn't really Darren Aronofsky at the height of his filmmaking powers. Like, as far right, as being right. actually behind right. the camera. Um, right. right. Yeah, man. Yeah, he yeah he knows how to handle a camera. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah, I just yeah I just wish that he had workshopped the script right. a little longer, <laughs> <laughs> or or that he had done this. I think this would have been a really cool short film. Yeah, that's exactly what it, it feels like. Um, like a capstone project for a graduate seminar. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a script in a few days. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. edit it, and then mm-hmm. I'm gonna shoot it just mm-hmm. to like prove how cool I am. Um, yeah. No, I really, I really think that this could have, and I, and I skipped around this mm-hmm. last viewing uh, just to try to get it in before um, we jumped on the podcast. <clears throat> I really think it could have been done in forty-five minutes. Oh, easily, yeah. I know? mean, that's a, and, yeah, that's a feeling I had too. Um, um, and I, and I think like so when I approach a film like that, when I approach that kind of thing. I feel like I'm approaching it with different sort of expectations. Uh, it's a, it's almost a different genre. Like it's the difference between a short story or an essay versus a, versus a novel. Right. Um, I'm expecting it to be unconventional in some way. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe a short film would have been the way to go. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, so would you say but, it's more or less effective than that high on fire video I sent you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> fertile green, man. Dude. <laughs> yeah, man. I watched that this morning and I was, uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> it reminded me actually, have you seen Mandy? No, I need to. Dude. Okay. You have to see it. It's very, very, very good. Um, it reminded me the music video right. you sent me reminded me of the, um, of the aesthetic of Mandy, which I really, really love. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's been on the list. Cause yeah. I saw that guy's, uh, first movie beyond the black rainbow, which is mm-hmm. very interesting. And it seems like he's a really good, uh, mm-hmm. like stylist. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. as far as- yeah. It's very cool. And, um, and, uh, Nick Cage is perfect, man. Nick Cage is perfect in this movie. Uh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like like there are some roles that Nick Cage was like born to play. Yep. Um and this is this is a good one. It's all sort of tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Um very much like there's a lot of hallucinogenic like drugs involved in the plot and then there's a lot of like psychedelic sequences that are very like interesting and like aesthetically really cool, but it is very dark and weird and surreal. Okay. Um it's about like a well, we're not doing Mandy right, on this podcast but... <laughs> necessarily, but but you should definitely okay. see it. I'm a big fan of it. Now that actually gets at a lot. Um, it's interesting actually juxtaposing that with Mother because I think Mandy is like a really good example of how like in uh, how like aesthetically weird um, kind of psychedelic 
um, horror can really work really well, actually. Um, uh, where where Mother kind of misses the right. mark for me in a lot yeah, of ways. It's, uh, um, okay, yeah, I think it, it, it really holds up as an object to be studied, but as like something you actually do want to go see in the theater. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's weird, man. Well, and well, and here's the thing too: if if Aronofsky released a sequel to Mother that was exactly the same style with a very similar like setup, and I was expecting something similar to Mother, I would go see it again. Okay, right? Like, because it's a it's a cool experience, yeah, yeah. right? Like, especially that first time you watch it, it's a cool it's a cool, interesting experience. Definitely. You know? um, but you know, I would chew on it for a while, and I'd say, okay, ultimately that doesn't right. work for me, even though I ha- even though I had fun watching it right the the actually the um the quote from uh aronofsky from that interview of um it being sort of like a roller coaster like slamming through a wall or something (laughs) something like that like i think that's a pretty good description especially the last right yeah um so like it's a fun well i wouldn't even say fun it's a um it's a movie that has a lot of visceral impact Mm -hmm that is that i that that's what i love in a horror movie is that it is sort of viscerally compelling right and it's not just cheap like jump scares right, right. and stuff like that um but that really sort of gets in your guts to <laughs> to a degree right um and yeah mother mother did yeah. a good job and i would i would go see a sequel right. um i just i the question is whether it stands up to like whether it whether it warrants uh, not just a second, but also a third right. and a fourth viewing, right? And you know, because I've reviewed Mother a couple, like in a, um, a few places, and worked with it on my um, on a couple projects, I've seen it like six times yeah. now, you know, and I'm just tired. Yep. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, so I guess uh, before we close out, like, what would your so? Sure. It was kind of funny to think. So the like. I think I mentioned it like early on in the show here. Uh, like the moment I seized upon is when like Jennifer Lawrence starts slashing mm. people with the glass. Like that's the paradigm I'd want mm-hmm. out of mother too, is just like yeah. a revenge flick yeah. where it's just a <laughs> extended sure, yeah. like, uh, like death wish or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's interesting. Yeah. I think for me, one of the things that I would want to see in a mother too is more emphasis on the sort of creepy cultish kind of ritual, um, uh, scenes that I found really disturbing. Uh, yep. Right. Um, so like, especially when the poet's picture is being pasted oh, everywhere yeah. and people are sort of you getting the marks, people are yeah. sort of getting the ash on their forehead and, and they're sort of like beating these like, or stomping in this like rhythmic way. And, and it's very like uncanny and weird. Um, I, I, w- I would like to see a lot of that. Oh man. As well. I think... In addition, in addition, of course, to your <laughs> sort of emphasis on revenge. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, and it would be a direct sequel. So it would be the new woman in the house, but then like a, a charred and bandaged Jennifer Lawrence comes back with a knife made out of glass. And I don't know. <laughs> yes. yeah. And then, Oh man, 100%. I think we can launch the, uh, the mother expanded universe now. 
uh, <laughs> like it all just takes place in that you house. Co-author it, some fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it really does just take place. Like just stretch out those like five minute scenes into full length movies of, oh, of every awesome. like aspect. And the thing of, is of that like last half hour. <laughs> well, and the thing about it is too that like even if you can't fit it all into one rotation, you have these infinite eternal recurrences uh, that we can sort of populate, you know, there you go. Uh, Cause it just happens again and again. Yep. And, again. <laughs> and it was, a, and, and it was a different girl. That's right? true. Yep. Or it was in the first, in the first, uh, scene. Oh, so yeah, it seems yep. to, it seems to be repetitions with differences. Yep. Right. So we have literally infinite amount of space to play in the mother yep. fanfic expanded <laughs> universe. Oh man, they're missing out on a on a franchise deal here, man. <laughs> Fuck Marvel. It's uh, uh, <laughs> give me more mother. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, that's awesome. Guess we should close out. I think we've reached a pretty natural sure, yeah. conclusion yeah. here. Uh, so Jacob, where can people find you? Check out the very good post structuralist uh, tent revival podcast. Oh, yeah. thank you. I'm flattered. Yeah. Um, yeah the so post structuralist tent revival is a show that me and my Buddy Eric Aldieri do um, on again uh, philosophy, theology, religious studies, um, and we've been doing a lot with like hermetic stuff recently. So if you're into like magic or um, or like um, I don't know, like people like Bruno and like the Renaissance hermeticists, like we're sort of mashing that up with Deleuze. So oh, if, that, if, if that's your, if that's your jam, then check us out. Um, it, we're on Twitter at podcast PTR. Um, and my personal, uh, Twitter page is at Jacob Neil given. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess those are the places you can check me out. So thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah, on, dude. Man. Uh, it was yeah, a pleasure. It. Um, yeah, you're welcome back anytime, dude. This is great awesome man yeah this is good let's do uh let's do mandy next oh hell yeah hell yeah let's do mandy okay. next okay all right you guys heard it here i'm holding the okay. to it. we're gonna do mandy <laughs> oh fuck yeah um that'll all right man all right take care brother